Today is probably the last message that I'm going to be preaching from the book of Ephesians. Of Ephesians. What book are we in? Philippians. The last, yeah, it's the last, hey, when we did Ephesians, that was like a year in the making. Philippians, somebody said today, I mentioned that probably the last message, like, well, you could go another year. And I said, well, it's only, I think we count that. I think it's only been like 11 or 12 sermons total. But uh, it's been broke up with different things. So today's, I'm saying probably the last Sunday because I might do one more after um, our January series. Um, that one, just one section to kind of skip over. Because what you find in Philippians is a lot of the things when we come to the last chapter were things that Paul dealt with already earlier in the book, in, in the letter that he wrote. And so a lot of those things we've already really covered. So this might be the last one. And what we're going to do today is, this is the, for me personally, just a really great way to end. Because we're going to be looking at what I'm going to call is one of my go-to sections of Scripture. Um, that it's, for me, in my life, as I go through it, through things, you know, it's one of those go-to sections that I open to all the time. You know, those sections in the Bible that where you kind of where you lay your Bible down and it automatically opens to because it's been opened there so many times? Well, the section in Philippians 4 we're going to look at today is, is one of those for me. You know, the Bible just kind of, kind of naturally opens there because it's one of my go-to things. And it's also one of my go-to sections of Scripture when I'm trying to help any one of you or anybody at all walk through the challenges of life. And um, if there's ever been a time when we think there's been a few challenges, um, this, is, this is one of those seasons. And what I love about this, this section we're going to look at today is kind of the go-to section for me, when a situation, a time in life, leads people into seasons of anxiety or unrest. Because this will help us put our life in the proper perspective. And so what I hope is going to happen for you is as we go through this today, if it's not already, this is going to become one of your go-to sections of Scripture, you're going to kind of live in it. It's one of those ones that you print off and you hang on the wall next to your desk or up on the, on the mirror of the bathroom and you just kind of live in it because it helps continually bring you um, into a proper focus. So let's read together. Philippians chapter 4. Um, we look at verses 4 uh, to 9 this morning. So Philippians 4, 4 to 9, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. You could say, and then the God of peace will be with you. And so we're going to look at this today, and, and I think this is really a section that to me is kind of like Soul Care 101 on how you live a life um, free of anxiety and unrest, and it's all about soul care. And I've invited Pastor Mitch to join me, unless you're worried that we're not social distancing. Number one, we already gave each other COVID um, at some point. One of us did. And we're both supposed to be bulletproof right now. Supposedly. And so otherwise we were going to sit chairs apart, but we're both supposed to be COVID bulletproof because we just both got out of quarantine like a week and a half ago. Yep. And so we're supposed to be fine. So we, so we think we're fine. Um, and so that's why we're, we're sitting here. Don't, so unless you worry that we're not wearing masks, um, we're supposed to be fine. 
And one of the reasons I wanted Pastor Mitch to come up this morning to talk about this, because this this section, I think, really lends itself to a conversation. Mm -hmm. I think it's like real-life, practical living in here. And to me, again, it really is Soul Care 101. It's what we dwell on in our minds and what we we practice. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to break that down. But Pastor Mitch, some of you don't know this, or maybe many of you don't know, just finished um, a two-year course on spiritual direction and um, a big part of that was uh, learning about soul care. Right. And so these are the kind of conversations that we have a lot about how to live a practical, practical spiritual life. Yeah. And that's why I asked you to join us this morning. And uh, we're going to talk through this this morning. So uh, I'm glad you're here. Thank you for having me up here. This is uh, great. All right. We're, I, last minute, I almost brought Suzanne up. And then we decided against it because three is a crowd. So uh, <laughs> but we were, not really, we were planning on this for a long time of doing this together. And uh, we had some of the concerns, like, well, what do we do with COVID and all that? But we but, um, were able to, I really think this is a, a great section of Scripture just to kind of talk through. And here's our hope, that as we talk through it and we kind of highlight things and kind of talk about how this thinking of this section of Scripture affects our daily lives, this is going to give you something really practical um, that you can take with you. That's what, always our goal. Our goal is always, our, I should say this, our goal is never just to give you information. Our, our, our goal is to give you information that is applicable into your, into your daily lives. That's, that's our whole goal. Um, and this is just like one of those kind of sections. So let's talk through this. And I'll just kind of, what we'll do is there's, there's I see kind of three main thoughts that the Apostle Paul makes here. And we're going to break it down into those three main thoughts. And so I'll kind of introduce every one of the three thoughts. And we'll just kind of talk about those of all the sections and, and see what the Lord you know, has said to us about those and how we apply this to our, to our everyday lives. So the first um, section that I think main thought that Paul makes would be verses 4 and 5, and I'll just reread those, and we'll kind of break it down this way. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Now remember, this whole thing, remember what the Apostle Paul is doing in the book of Philippians. He's writing about how you can be joyful, rejoice. He's encouraging rejoicing. He's talking about how he's filled with joy in a time of extreme stress. He is sitting in prison under house arrest waiting to find out if he's going to be executed. And, he, and eventually he is executed for his faith. Not at this time, but he eventually is. And so he really believes, and most commentators believe, when he wrote Philippians, he didn't believe he was going to live through it, that they were going to kill him at this point, because not only was, you know, he was making the Jews really uncomfortable preaching the gospel that he was preaching. And, um, and so he, here's this guy who's living in the ultimate stress, and he's telling us, how can, I, how can I live a life where I'm rejoicing, where I'm not filled with anxiety and rest? And the first thing he says, kind of the setting it up, before he kind of gets into the soul care stuff, he kind of gives a preparation. And he says this, um, in order to live this life where you're not ruled by anxiety and unrest, you need to keep your life in a true perspective. Um, You need to, in challenging times, you need to know, you need to focus on what is really true. Because storms always come. And in storms, what happens is, we tend to focus on the one or two things that are going really badly and we fail to remember the hundred things that are going really well. And so it, it, it kind of messes with us. We, we can get a tunnel vision on just looking at the negative 
all around us. The issue, the, the diagnosis, the, the fear of this certain thing happening, the anxiety over a global pandemic, whatever it is, and we become tunnel vision. That's why I always tell you, turn the stinking news off. You know, watch it for 30 minutes and turn it off. Get, you can, believe me, they repeat everything every 14 minutes. You know, so you can see it, hear it, be informed, turn it off. Because what happens is you become tunnel visioned and it's all you think about. You think the whole world is just about, about one particular or two particular issues right now. So the first thing Paul's going to lay out for us is during these difficult times that we need to focus on what is right and true. And so what do you think about that? I think that is so powerful when we can really keep that true perspective. And one of the things that I, I just continually go back to in seasons of anxiety or doubt or whatever is that God is sovereign and that he has everything under control. And so I can just, in a sense, rest in that truth, you know, and you've given the example several times where, you know, God is here and I come underneath him. And when we can have that, that perspective that he's like the umbrella and umbrella I'm under the umbrella, then then I'm in a good spot. You know, does it make everything go away that is not going well? No, but I also can just rest in the truth that he is in control and that I may not understand why something is happening or sometimes even what in the world is happening, but I can understand that he is in control and I can know that. I can know that I know that I know. You know, there's an old phrase for you. I know that I know that I know. You grew up in church. I did. (laughs) I did. One of those 80s kids. Uh, I I know that he is in control. And in a sense, when I can just be comfortable with that, it's just kind of, ha. And and look, right? That's what Paul's doing here. Mm -hmm. So Paul's, okay, everything's a mess. He's in jail. Um, He's writing a thank you letter to his friends who are supporting him. And he says, just kind of closing thoughts. He puts it all in perspective. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. He's, he's saying, before we talk about anything about how to deal with anxiety, let's just put things in the right perspective. Right. Listen, you know. Um, he focuses on the Lord. Not look at it. He focuses on the Lord and not on the problem. Right. Right? And that's what you're saying. Yeah. He focuses on the Lord, not on the problem. And he chooses to rejoice. Right. And I think that's an interesting thing as well, because I think so often we think of rejoice as, oh, it's this like ecstatic praise mm-hmm. and all of these things. And I think as I've just gone more and more through life, I, I find that rejoice is also this idea of just being confident and assured that he's in control. Like I can just, I can rejoice silently that he's got it mm-hmm. and that I can go through the situation and he's going to give me the strength that I need, and he's going to carry me through because I'm under that umbrella. And it, I'm just going to continue to keep my eyes focused on him. It offers a steadiness, right. a stableness. You know, life right now, and a lot of times, you know, because we focus on a couple of things, um, life right now feels like a turbulent storm for a lot of people. Yep. But Jesus is the guy who stands in the storm and says, peace be still. Mm-hmm. That's what this is all about, right? Right. This yeah. is about putting things in the right perspective. You know, and, and he goes on, he, he explains that more than just, you know, rejoice in the Lord. He says, the Lord is near. 
He's trying to put it in perspective. He's saying, listen, guys, remember, he's writing to his friends who are living in also a difficult time for all Christians back then. And he's like, listen, just remember this. The Lord is near. And that's got a couple of applications that have to do with this foundational thinking. First of all, he's near, meaning he's present. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean to us when I say, no matter what's going on, I am fully in belief that the Lord is present. Right. You know? And and it's just that awareness of, you know what, I'm going through this. And you can even be honest with the Lord and say, this stinks. Absolutely. And I think... He invites us to do it. The whole Psalms are, that's what the whole Psalms are. Right. And I used to think, so growing up in church, I used to think that was bad. Like, you can't be mad at God. You can't say that stinks. You can't do that. And I think, but what is real is that we can offer our emotions in wherever we're at and just say, this stinks, Lord. It was the misunderstanding of what people called positive and negative confession. Right. Oh, don't make a negative confession. Don't say something negative. Well, then go to your Bible, rip out the biggest book of the whole Bible, <laughs> Psalms, and throw it in the garbage. Right. Right? Right. Because that's all he's doing. Yep. Lord, uh, life stinks right now. Exactly. But you are good. And that's the and whole that's thing. that's it. But he you come, are good. Right. He comes back to that over and over again. Like, my enemies are coming against me. I'm sick. I'm dying. But you're good. You're my helper. You're my healer. You're my savior. You're going to bring me through. And when we can continue to have all of those truths floating in our minds, mm-hmm. it, it makes life that much more enjoyable where we can even rejoice in the midst of some of the, the stuff that we're going through. Right. And, and so because, I think hey, that's so good. You know, we talked about it Christmas Eve. Um, you're yoked with the Lord. Mm-hmm. He's present. You're not alone. You're not facing your difficulties alone. And Paul's starting off, before he gets into the details, he's saying, let's just put life in perspective. The Lord is near. Right. And that one application is the Lord is near, meaning he's right here. But there's another application that he fully would, would embrace. The Lord is near, meaning he's imminent, meaning he's going to return at any time. Yeah. And boy, how does that change our lives in the midst of chaos to go, this might be the day. Right? Right? Right. You know, so no matter what you're going through, there's a truth in Christianity that says this might be the day that the Lord returns for his church. This might be the day that the Lord calls me um, heavenward, you know? And um, so Paul's like, hey, I can deal with anything. You know, the foundational thing I can deal with anything is because, hey, you know, I'm going to rejoice because um, the Lord is always here. The Lord is near. He's right here. He's present with me. And guess what? One of these days, one of these days, all of this, all we're dealing with is going to be totally different. You know, we just talked about Susan and Tony. Right. And all of us, you know, interesting, all of us um, are heartbroken because these friends of ours, these ladies that long preceded me at Portview right. have, have passed away, but we're, not re- we're, we're upset because of us, right. not because of them, because the Lord is near, he's present in a way that we've never experienced, and, and he's come in their lives in a way and whether it comes through death or through, through uh, the rapture of the church, that um, Paul's saying, listen, just put things in perspective here. The Lord is near. Amen. He's right with us, and he's coming back soon. Yep. And so this, what the circumstances we have are not the final word. Right. There's a different final word. Right. It's that blessed hope that we have that he is coming back. Yeah. And, you know, some days we can go through and not really think about it that much. But when we can take that moment to just stop and think, we can remember he is near because he's coming back soon. And all of this is going to pale in comparison to that day 
that we're going to be with him. And I think that's just so incredibly helpful as we go through life. I remember years ago preaching a sermon um, about this concept, and I used as a foundation for the sermon a type of music that's called, it was the music that African-American slaves sang in America, and the type of music is called Negro Spirituals. And they, all the songs, I, I researched all kinds of them, and almost all of them were singing about Jordan land, crossing the Jordan on that day. They lived in a horrible situation of oppression. And, but what did they do? What did, was their focus? They focused on Jesus is here. Jesus is taking me across the Jordan. One of these days, I'm going to be in his presence. And so it, it allowed them to walk through with a level of joy the unfairness and the, and the, and the, the mistreatment um, and the dehumanization that went on with them in a way to say, but Jesus, you're here with me. And I'm, this might not be the life I wish I was living, because it's not, but you're here with me. So, so um, I think that's, that's what Paul's getting at here, right? Yeah, that absolutely. Focusing on the right thing mm-hmm. in all times. I agree. So, so that's the first thing. And wait, we better, I said, I told us the third point was going to be the long point. So yeah. point one, we said, we'll just skip through one and two. There but we better get skipping. All right. Um, <laughs> um, have you ever seen you skip? Think so. You've never seen. Me I skip. do it at home. My kids do you would skip tell at you. Home? Yeah, once in a while. Okay. Just last night. Oh, you're a skipper. Yeah. Should we rename you Skippy? Uh, no. No. Okay. So the second part. That's part one. Part two. That Paul Paul breaking it down. We verse six. Um, look at verse six. Be anxious for nothing. So he lays the foundation first. But then he says this: Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And so he's saying this is based on the right perspective of verses 4 and 5. Um, based on that right perspective, now do the right thing. Don't be anxious, instead pray. And one of the things, before we even discuss it, that hit me when I was going through this. Again, Paul's talking about how we go through anxiety, potentially anxiety-riddled um, situations. And he says, be anxious for nothing Instead, pray. And it just hit me. Paul's saying it's possible. Paul is saying it's possible to live in that anxiety-producing situation, but yet not have anxious, not be anxious. Mm-hmm. So I think this we have to say, first of all, Paul's saying we can do this as children of God, filled with the Spirit, walking with Him. We can live lives in the midst of a world that's, that's overwhelmed with anxiety. We can be different. Right. He's saying don't be anxious. And, and how do we not be anxious? What do we know? He's saying, you know, by knowing how, by knowing the king of the kingdom is the answer to any of our difficult situations. And we have a little tagline we use around here that I think just is, is so important to us right now. It's from a, a series of books that we use for discipleship around here. Um, and it says this, I am one in whom Christ dwells and delights, and I live in the stable and unshakable kingdom of God. Then I say, what's the truth of my life? I am one in whom Christ dwells and delights, and I live in a stable and unshakable kingdom of God. If I understand that, I, that's the right perspective. I don't have to be anxious, right? Right. Right. And I think, as I was thinking about this idea, it really comes down to us making a choice. You know, we can choose to just live in that anxiety, or we can choose to surrender it. You know, and I also thought of, you know, it... We choose to be independent where, hey, I'm, I can do this on my own. I'm just going to deal with this. I'm going to... Very American. Th- right. Or we can choose to be dependent and we just say, I'm going to rely on God. And, I, you know, going back to the end of verse 5, the Lord is at hand, so do not be anxious. 
you know, we can, in those moments, just make that choice to uh, just rely on him. And I'll, I'll say this. I've often had moments where I'll be out in the garden or doing yard work, and my mind will go. That's like the time for my mind to just process all kinds of things. And it, it is amazing how quickly my mind can go into a tizzy. Mm-hmm. Like, I've had this conversation, and I'm replaying it, and then it goes... And, like, if I let it, this person and I who I'm thinking about, we are now the worst enemies in my mind. Mm-hmm. If, if I just keep going with that way. And then it's, it's almost like, wait a second, what are you doing? So stop mm-hmm. and let's go back the right way. And, okay, God, I want you to have your way in the situation. Mm-hmm. You know, correct me in the things that I've done wrong. Help me to, you know, if it, it might be the smallest little thing, like, I don't know, they, they said a snarky remark. And, and so, like, it, you just start replaying that over and over. And maybe it was I who made the remark or someone else. And if I then stop and say, okay, I don't have to worry about this. I'm going to let you, Lord, have your way in this situation. And I want you to take over because I'm going down a bad path. Let's stop that. Let's reroute and go go down another another way and i think you know it's that idea of i don't have to be anxious let me instead pray and give it over to the lord yeah so understanding that 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 would be god's will for us exactly to not be overwhelmed by anxiety exactly so that's the first thing but he says okay don't be anxious sounds really easy but he's saying okay it's possible and here's some things we can think about that how we bring things right perspective but then he says this instead pray Mm -hmm. and sometimes we think that prayer i really think we believe it's that, that prayer is nonsense. We'd never say that. Right. But, you know, prayer doesn't work. Well, what is prayer really in this situation? It's inviting God into the situation. You talked about how, you know, and I think I interjected, it's American, it's independent, as you were saying, to just say, I'm going to go, I'm going to do it myself, I'm going to figure it all out. We've been taught to be that way. Right. And Paul's saying, listen, I don't care what you've been taught to do. Instead of being anxious, he's saying, trade one for the other. Right. Instead of being anxious, I want you to spend time in prayer. And we are free to walk through life on our own, or we're free to invite God into our world. And it really is a choice. How are we going to live? Am I going to just rely on me, or am I going to spend time with the Lord, inviting him in, listening for his voice, looking to his word for, 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 for a direction? That's all about prayer. And it's, it's inviting God in the situation. And there's a, a way of praying. You learned in your, your course, and I learned yep. uh, through some of the same teachers in some different material, um, that, that I've heard people call it the prayer of movement. And when, when I actually like, experience prayer in this way, it's changed how I pray. And I've experienced this with the church before, and you have too. Um, and matter of fact, I think you and I pray with people a lot this way. We don't tell them what we're doing, but we do it. And the prayer movement is basically this idea of three movements in prayer, or three, a direction for prayer that has three parts. And um, it is, first of all, laying out before the Lord. Here's a situation. Now, here's the funny thing. The Lord knows the situation, right? Absolutely. But why do we lay it out for him? Because we are going through it, and we're expressing it, and we're saying, this is what the reality of my life is right now. And maybe it's that, very, that anxiety-producing, potentially anxiety-producing situation in my life. So I lay it out before the Lord. Mm-hmm. That's the first movement. The second movement, then, is that as I invite Jesus, physically, I say, and you can do a prayer movement. A lot of times I'll tell people, I'll pray with them. I'll say, put your hands like this. 
and let's, let's say the situation and a physical movement. And then I'll say, now let's lift it up to here and say, now let's invite Jesus into the situation. And I mean, there's nothing that you're not really lifting. It's, it's, it's in our minds. We're understanding. Lifting and we're going, now invite Jesus in. So when I invite Jesus in, what am I saying? Jesus, I welcome you, but we're also saying, what would Jesus have to say about the situation? So what would happen is I'd maybe hear by the Spirit, be anxious for nothing. Right. You know, I'm going, okay, I'm hearing the voice of the Lord, and I'm inviting him into the situation, right? right? And that's where most of us in prayer generally stop. That's our idea of prayer. And that's why I love the prayer movement, because the prayer movement says, here's a situation, I invite you into the situation, and that's what most of us do. We stop it, but that's not, that's not the way it works, really. The next one is we lift it and we release it to the Lord. And we say, now, Lord, I now give you this situation. I've invited you in. There's a big difference between I invite you in, right. what do you say about it, right. and I now release it into your care. Right. And the prayer of movement is saying, it's just a way of expressing that our prayer don't stop here. That the anxiety is released mm-hmm. when, I, when I literally, and I do, I physically, I lift my hands and I say, now I release it to you. Yep. A lot of times everybody's sitting around with their eyes closed praying. I'm like this. I go, oh, okay, Lord, I release it to you. <laughs> I'm releasing it to you now. Right. And it, I think it, in a way it's like this whole transfer of, yeah. of the, the, the situation because we are carrying it, so we identify it with the Lord. And that's where the anxiety can be. Right. And when we're, when we're just carrying it. Right, because we can just hold it, and, you know, sometimes we stop there. You, you yep. know, we just hold it, and it, in a sense, it's mine. Yeah. Um, but then we say, all right, Lord, I'm inviting you into this. Would you begin to lift this burden? And then the final act is, you know what? God, I'm going to just give it completely to you. And you've got this now. You're going to take control. I'm going to just rely on you and just be resting in your power rather than my own. And it goes back to what you said in the very beginning. It's understanding the sovereignty of God. Mm-hmm. It takes it right back to that. Yeah. That I'm saying, God, you're the one. It's this, it's this understanding that the Lord, I really believe the Lord knows better and is capable and I'm incapable. Right. And, it's, and, and, and part of that has to come to this fact of saying, I can't. And people think that's a negative thing to say, oh, I can't, I can't. It's a wonderful thing mm-hmm. to conclude you can't. Because you weren't supposed to carry a lot of things that we carry as burdens. And what this says is, I release it to you. You can. I can't. But because of point number one, I'm resting securely in you. Right. So I'm fine. So so my anxiety levels go down because now I'm saying, you are in control. You are. And I release it to you. So now I'm not carrying the burden anymore. Right. So Paul's a genius in how he lays this out. He lays the foundation principle out. Then he says, listen, now... Don't be all anxious. It's possible. Instead, pray, mm-hmm. hand it off to me, and then he goes to the last thing. Um, the last point. Do you have anything else you wanted to share on that? No, nope, we're good okay. there. Um, and because uh, remember, we're we're skipping. Right. Um, then verses seven to nine is the next thing. He's the re- it's, it's the result of having a right perspective and doing the right thing. Look what he says. Um, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute. I think he's trying to make repetition for emphasis here. If there's any, any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. And so he's saying here, 
um, the result of having a right perspective and doing the right thing, meaning not feeling full of anxiety, instead choosing to pray, is that we will get the peace of God. And isn't that the ultimate blessing in life? If I could say, if somebody could say to me, I will give you one wish. Got a genie in a lamp? And the genie came out and gave me one, one wish. It would be to walk in the peace of God. No matter what, the presence and the peace of God. Because he ties the presence and the peace of God together. The very last words he says is, the, the God of peace will be with you. He's saying the peace of God comes from walking in connection and unity with the God of peace. Right. And so he's saying, um, that's, you know, for us, that's the greatest blessing, the peace of God in times of difficulty. Nothing else is more valuable. You know, maybe a circumstance, you said this earlier, doesn't change, but our security changes exactly. because the peace of God is with us in the difficulty. And I think that is the, the, the key is, you know, your situation hasn't changed. You're still going through the muck and the mire, but there's all of a sudden this, like, internal sense of his presence and his peace that just rests with you. You know, like I was talking about, I'm having these conversations in my head, and when I can go back and say, okay, God, I want you just to have your way, it's like this wave of peace just begins to come over. And, it, you know, it's not like this weird thing, but it's just you begin to just feel, even in your body, like you're starting to relax. The heart is not as tense. Your, your muscles are not clenched. You're, you're breathing that much freer. You know, it's some of those things that all of a sudden the peace of God just enters in and you feel some of that anxiety and that stress just begin to melt away. And, you know, again, the situation is still there, and you, you're still like, okay, we're going to have to deal with this, but God, I'm really just waiting on you to show me what do I need to do? Mm-hmm. You know, what are you leading me to do? And what you're saying is exactly what Paul now goes on to say, mm-hmm. that it's a peace that's beyond comprehension, mm-hmm. um, that it's, it's a gift that God gives us to guard our hearts and our minds. It is not a rational, um, earned, developed type of a thing. Uh, it is a gift from the Lord. And when I was thinking about this, it, my mind was just thinking what Jesus had to say about the exact same topic in John chapter 14. Listen to what Jesus says, and it's at verse 27, but let's start back at verse 25. These things, Jesus talking about, about to his disciples about the Holy Spirit. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. He's saying, I'm here with you right now. It's before his arrest, crucifixion, and eventual ascension. These things I have spoken um, to you while abiding with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I said to you. Verse 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you, do not let your hearts be troubled, nor let it, let it be fearful. So he's kind of talking about the exact same thing as Paul here. But look at what he says about peace. My peace I leave with you. My, the peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. He's talking, he's talking about the, the Holy Spirit's activity in the life of the believer. And he's saying that the activity of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer is that he will give us the gift of peace. That it's a peace that's beyond comprehension, as Paul is saying here in, in Philippians. It's a peace that doesn't, you, don't, you can't figure out, you can't, you can't make it work, you can't work it up. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit 
Um, and it says it keeps us from losing the battle um, in our hearts and our minds. Right. And that's what you described in the garden um, with your mind racing and going to the next step. That, I believe, is the most common battle that causes us to be filled with anxiety and lose our peace. Mm-hmm. I think that is it. I do it, if I'm not careful, we're going to get to that in a second, that's exactly what Paul's dealing with, mm-hmm. that, that it is all about the, the guarding of our heart and our mind, mm-hmm. our, heart, our, 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 our heart being our soul, who we are as a person. Kind of the soul is all of what people see of you is your, your soul. I mean, not your physical part, but your personality. It's all the dimensions of you is your soul. And your mind is, you know, your seat of thinking. And, and he's saying, I will guard these things with the gift of peace that I give to you um, from the Holy Spirit. And he goes on to explain here how we get that gift. Right. He says it flows, you know, from the Holy Spirit is what we, we said from Jesus, um, which is, it, but it does, how does it flow? By doing the right thing. Right. By dwelling, first of all, on the right things and not the wrong things. And that's what you're talking about in the garden. Yeah. By making a choice of what I will let my mind dwell upon. Mm-hmm. And that's why sometimes I know some of you get frustrated and I say, turn off the news. Paul is saying here in verse 8, you think he's trying to make a point? Choose what you dwell on. Now he's saying, listen, there's a gift that's available for you right here. But the gift isn't just given. The gift, if we've got to put ourselves in a position to receive it, is what he's saying. How do I receive this gift of peace? He's saying very clearly, he's going to say two things. I have to put myself in a position to receive it, number one, by choosing what I dwell on. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's anything of excellence and anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. He's saying, make the choice on what you allow your mind to dwell on, but he's making something more than that. Make the choice on what you feed your mind through your eyes and through your ears. You know, it's why when our kids grew up, you know, and in different kinds of music and different things, we're like, no, we, we, for, we don't want you to listen to that. Why? Because it's filling your mind with garbage. And if garbage goes in, garbage comes out. You know, and so, but that's not just for kids. You could do the same thing by living, listening to, no, I got to be careful. <laughs> stuff. Stuff that's just media that just destroys you. It just fills you with anxiety and hate. Paul would say, listen, sure, get your facts, but stop living in that. He's saying, what you, to get the gift of the Spirit of peace, you have to put yourself in a position to do it by choosing to dwell on the right things. Yes. Because he's saying if you dwell on the wrong things, it'll cause nothing but turmoil in your life. So the first thing he says, how do I get this gift? I choose to dwell on the right things. Yep. And I think... Colossians 3.2 is a verse that I go to very often, and it just says, set your mind on things above where Christ is, not on the things of this world. And that's where a lot of this, okay, all of a sudden I have to just switch my thinking because I'm on the world right now, but I need to put my mind on things that are above once again. And so it is that thing of, I need to feed my heart, my mind, my soul with the things that are of the Lord, rather than just all the things of the world, the things that are anxiety, stress, fear, doubt inducing. It's why having the right, why Paul starts with perspective, that I live in the stable, unshakable kingdom of God. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not the way we're saying it, but that's, that if I have that, 
then we ultimately understand whatever goes on in the world is going to go on. Mm-hmm. And you know, exactly. maybe I play a part in some certain ways, mm-hmm. but you know what? Ultimately, I live for the kingdom, and the kingdom and the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of this, of this world are not the same. Right. And as children of God, we literally live in a different kingdom with a different king. That's why Paul got in trouble, because he was the guy going around saying, the, he was saying, there's a new king. The gospel, gospeling, was declaring the good news of a new king. The reason they threw Paul in prison and the reason they killed Jesus was because they were declaring that there was a different king. It wasn't, it wasn't Rome. It wasn't the Caesar. There's a new king. Right. And Christian people lived in a different kingdom. They lived in the kingdom of God. And so when I get that, that foundation, then peace comes because I choose to not dwell on all the things of the world. I can be informed, but I don't live there. I don't feed my soul. You want to find the most unhappy, unpeaceful people. It's the people who just feed themselves on whether it's right or left, mm-hmm. feed themselves all the time of that and stop thinking about the good things of God. Exactly. And what Paul's saying here, if you want the gift, one of the things you need to do is you've got to be careful what you dwell on. Right. Dwell, and he doesn't give us any option. We don't have to wonder what he's talking about. He goes like, you know, all good stuff. Mm-hmm. You know something that somebody laughed at me recently about? I forget who it was. We were talking about when we had COVID. And we were locked up for, you know, two weeks basically in the house. And so you're laying around and, and all people reacted to it different. But we were, Suzanne and I were pretty sick for about a week. And, uh, and I said, I've had flus that were worse. She said she never had a flu that was worse. But I was just like, dad didn't want to get off the couch. So we watched a ton of TV. And we made... We made the honest choice to say, we got to be very careful right now what we feed our minds on. Because we're just laying here watching TV for a, a week of it. And we watched a thousand episodes of Little House on the Prairie, <laughs> of Gunsmoke, of, um, we found an old, old series, The Man from Snowy River. <laughs> We've watched almost the entire, I don't know how many seasons, of The Man from Snowy River. And then because we wanted to be somewhere else, it was like... Uh, um, House Hunters International where they're finding houses like in the Caribbean. I think that was that one. But we chose what we watched. We were very careful to say, we're just laying here. We're already in a physically weak condition. Let's only put in things that are, you know, oh, Laura and Pa are catching fish in the pond, you know, playing with, with Jack, right? You know, and um, because it was neutral at le- or, and positive, you know, I was on purpose, choosing what you, you could tell, I'd vomit before I'd watch it. What's better than watching something? What positive or at least neutral thing could you feed your soul? Right. You know, I didn't feel like reading a book. I, you know, I, I couldn't. I was sick. I didn't feel like reading. So you, you have the TV on, music on. You know, it was positive music. Right. You know, and so that's what we talk about. If I want this gift, the way to get there, number one, he says, think on the right things. This is Soul Care 101. Right. And then what he says is, do the right things. That's verse 9. Mm-hmm. Am I jumping ahead before you have something else to no, interject there? No. Well, I was just gonna read, let me read a quote before I get to that. Yeah. Because this, this is a quote. This is one of the ones that hangs next to my desk. I always tell you about I got all these little notes. I photocopied it for it. It's a quote from Dallas Willard. He's about thinking on. This is the ultimate, and I've read it to you in church before, because it's literally right here, and it just it, it shouts. It's so important. The ultimate freedom in human beings is the power to select what we will allow our minds to dwell upon. He says, you want to talk about freedom? He says, that's the freedom. The ultimate freedom is to select what we allow our minds to dwell upon. 
is in our thoughts that the first movements toward the renovation of the heart occur. Thoughts are the place where we can and must begin to change. So Willard just gets saying what, what Jesus and Paul are saying here, choose wisely what you think about. And part of that is choose wisely what you put in because that will influence what you think about. So if I want the gift of peace, first thing I, I choose to, to think on, the, to dwell, use the word dwell, dwell on the right things, meditate on them, think on them, choose to think on the positive things and not the negative things that are going on in your life. And the second thing he says is now do the right things. And he's talking about, it's interesting, <clears throat> he's tying it to spiritual practices. Look at verse 9. He's talking about spiritual practices that we do. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Um, these are just practices. How did Paul live out his life? What practices did he do? How did he spend time with the Lord? How did he spend time engaged with the word of God? How did he, you know, how did he live his life? They're spiritual practices. And what I've found the most important times, two most important times in your life where spiritual practices are the most essential. Number one, when you're young in the Lord. Mm-hmm. So when you're young in the Lord, they act as, as a trellis on which your spiritual life grows. It gives definition and direction. So when I, when I read as a young person, I actually pray prayers that somebody else wrote because they're theologically sound. I'm training myself how to pray properly. So it's a trellis. So when I'm young in the Lord, now what does that say about child rearing for parents and grandparents? Displaying spiritual practices is super important. I remember one time um, when we lived in Michigan. And Josh, you were really young. You probably don't remember this. I remember it distinctly. I used to get up every morning, go downstairs. because our, our bottom level of our house was a little living room down there. And I would go down there and I would pray and I'd read my Bible and I'd kneel in my chair and I'd pray. And one day, Josh walked out, get up early, Josh came up early, walked down by me, and he's basically announced, I'm going to start to, like, um, do spiritual things. You know, it was this little seven or eight-year-old, it was before nine, because we moved at nine from there. Before that, saying, I want to start spending time with the Lord. And I said, okay, I can sit and teach you. He said, I don't, you don't have to teach me, Dad. I watch you every day of your life do this. So he learned about spiritual practices by watching his dad. So as a young Christian, whether my own life or the life of my children or my grandchildren, the, the spiritual practices, the structure of those practices are super important. The second time that structure of spiritual practices is of vital importance is when you're going through times of stress, which can be sickness, it can be, you know, whatever. It can, it, it can be all the things. Because what it does is the structure you've built of a, of a life of spiritual practices continually keeps guiding you. Mm-hmm. It continually keeps you on the right track. When everybody around you is going off track, and I'm seeing it all over the place, Christian people going off track, spiritual practices keep you on the right track, keeps bringing you to truth. This morning I sat in my office, and I tell you something, I sat and I just worshiped, and I said, saying, a historic old part of an old hymn, glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. I just kept worshiping the Lord that way this morning in my office before church. Those aren't my words. That's a historical church prayer. That's a track that's keeping me online yeah. you know, with what's true. There's a Trinitarian God who's always been in charge, who's in charge today and is going to be in charge tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You know, Those are spiritual practices that we do. And so 
How do we get this? Number one, we dwell on the right things. We don't dwell on the wrong things. Number two, we have a structure to our spiritual life that keeps us in the right direction. Exactly. And I think it's these spiritual practices that help and allow us to have the right perspective. So we're yep. kind of coming full it's, circle it's in this all whole pack, circle. passage. But that when we dwell on the Lord, what through prayer, through scripture reading, through silence, we are then able to think on these things that he's yeah. just talked about that much easier because we're feeding ourselves with the Lord. I mean, whether it's through his word or through prayer, we're continually allowing him to speak into our hearts and our minds. And that's why it's, in my opinion, it is so important to make and take time for them routinely. You know, I grew up in, in, in youth group and like you were supposed to read your Bible and pray every day. And there were always these campaigns like seven up, you know, you know, get up and do seven minutes and, and all these things. And I look back and I'm like, okay, that was cheesy. (laughs) But the, the principle that, you know, was underneath all of it is spend time with the Lord. And so while I didn't understand what was going on then, you know, to your point, you're laying the guardrails and, 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 and that track so that you can continually feed yourself on the Lord and allow him to speak into your heart, into your mind. And so it's and, through scripture. And so that, that, you know, I love just taking that time in the morning to just read through his scripture. And what are you saying? What are you, what are you trying to speak to me even today? And maybe I'm in, you know, reading and rereading the same book, but, you know, there's something new today that the Lord wants to say. And it just helps me for that day. And, you know, I may not have any clue. Or it could be just we're planting seeds for some time in the future. You're going to need to know this. And so let's let's get this embedded in you. And so I'm going to repeat for emphasis over and over and over these truths so that when that, that trial comes, now I have something to fall back on. And I can continue, even in the trial, to keep you know, keep getting into these practices and allowing the Lord to speak truth into my heart and life. And we're, when you were a young kid, and this is just the way we develop emotionally and mentally and, and, and physiologically, it may have seemed like you were just doing practices because you are checking off the box because some youth leader told you to do it or whatever. But we learn eventually is it was never about duty. It was never about earning anything with God. Right. It's about giving our heart, making our heart available to the activity of the Holy Spirit. That's what this whole thing is about. That's what it's saying. I'm giving my heart... I'm giving the Holy Spirit access to my heart, and what if I if I do if I if I um, dwell on the right things, and if I do the spiritual practices, silence, solitude, time in the Word of God, meditation, those basic spiritual practices, um, what will happen is the gift of peace that's going to guard my heart and my mind is going to be given to me. And so He said, if I do these things, not to earn, but I'm opening up my heart to the Holy Spirit. Then the world can be in chaos around me. Paul's sitting in a jail going, yeah, because I'm dwelling on the right things and because I'm, he's saying, imitate the things he did. So in his jail cell, he's living out the practices of, of that he can of living a life of, of connected to the Lord. And as he's doing that, the peace has come. And everybody's like, how can Paul be peaceful? Mm-hmm. Well, because it's a gift from the Lord. Exactly. That, that's greater than an anxiety-producing situation. Mm-hmm. And so we should probably wrap up. We, we've skipped along and, uh, and skipped for quite a while here. And so um, this is just really practical. Mm-hmm. I hope this becomes a go-to area for you and you can see how you lay a foundation out for your life with right understanding that you choose to do the right thing by 
saying, I don't want to be anxious. Instead, I want to give it all to the Lord as prayer movement. And then I want to, the, the gift of peace will come to me as I just, in my daily life, choose what I dwell on, dwell on the right things, not the wrong things. And then I, I, I live my life on the structure of the spiritual practices so that those things keep informing my life and keep me from getting derailed. Right. And that's what I see. People are derailed. So especially in anxiety times is when the... Pra- and that's the, mo- the most common time that people give the practices up. They just don't feel like it. That's when I say you have to do it then because it keeps you on the right track. Yep. Keep the structure in place because it's going to carry you through because the Lord's going to speak in those times. Even though the world is in chaos, your world with Christ will not be. And your life will be um, peaceful. Filled with peace, Amen? absolutely. Amen. Let's pray together this morning. Lord, we, we, um, we want what Paul has in greater dimension. Lord, I thank you that we have all can experience this to a point, but I think there's always even a greater dimension of, the, of your peace and your love that can be given to us. And Lord, here's our prayer today for every person in this room. We, you know, we see that peace is a gift, and there's never been a time that we need that gift in the, in the church world and in the world at large more than right now. But Lord, we see this gift is available, but it's given as we put position ourselves to receive it from you. And so Lord, I pray this for every person here at Portview today, every person watching online, that Lord, we could look at our lives today. We could look at our level of anxiety today we can be honest with ourselves. And we can say, you know what? I got more anxiety than I have peace. But the Lord is offering me something different. That his peace can literally push the anxiety down. And so, Lord, I ask that you would help each one of us to look at our lives, see that truth, and then, Lord, just begin to live into the truth that Paul reveals here in your word. Lord, cause us to to make good choices in what we dwell on in our mind when we're, as Mitch said, doing the gardening or whatever that thing is. We're shoveling the snow or we're driving the car. And we don't just allow our brains to run wild. That we know freedom is choosing to think on good things because that brings peace. And that, Lord, we would, would today live out the practice. We put a practice in place today. One of the practices is gathering together to worship and to, and to, to honor you and to learn from your word. That's a practice. Lord, bring peace as a result in all of our lives. And help us to structure our lives tomorrow and the day after and the day after in such a way that we're positioning ourselves so that we're connecting with you so that your, your peace, it's your peace, your peace guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. So I pray your blessings now on every person in the sound of our voice. Lord, let your peace rule and reign in Jesus' name. Amen.